Hey everybody, Jay Farner here, CEO of Rocket Mortgage and Rocket Companies. Last year, we saw historically low mortgage interest rates. In fact, over 1 million homeowners took advantage of refinancing or buying a new home with Rocket Mortgage. What you may not know is that interest rates are already starting to increase again. And it's likely that trend is only going to continue. Our team of experts is standing by to help you save before rates go up. With an official mortgage review from Rocket Mortgage, you'll see just how much money you could save by making a move right now. Don't look back over these next few weeks and wish that you would take an action. You could save hundreds on your mortgage payments or pay off your home loan earlier than planned. You could even take cash out of your home to pay off high-interest debt, complete home repairs, or bulk up on an emergency fund. When you want to secure a low rate, Rocket can. Call 833-8-ROCKET or visit rocketmortgage.com. Rocket. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states and MLSConsumerAccess.org number 3030. We're in a battle for America's soul. Liberty is at risk. It's time to speak up. Welcome to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot. Brooke says, for years, Brooke's been behind the scenes helping conservative leaders articulate a vision for a better America. Now, she's front and center and the mic is hot. Here is your host, Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome to Brooke Talks America, where we discuss politics and culture from an unapologetically conservative perspective. You will find no rhinos or mushy mouth Republicans here. I'm your host, Brooke Says, conservative patriot, proud, deplorable, and columnist, which you can find on my website, brooktalksamerica.com or btaradio.com, if you don't want to type that out. Uh, Make sure you connect on all the social medias, on the interwebs, which you can find on the site. Um, my, I'm here with my co-host, Colonel Jim Warshuk, who's the former deputy director for intelligence at U.S. Central Command. He served on the White House National Security Council and currently serves as the Hillsborough County, Florida GOP chairman. He also has articles on my site and on AmericaOutloud.com. So you know the drill? From Hot Topics to History, you can be sure if it's happening in America, I will be talking about it. You can also listen to archived podcasts of the show on my website, And I'm on Captain's America Third Watch every Tuesday morning at 5.30 a.m. Colonel Jim is also Wednesday mornings at 5 a.m. Also on the station, Salem Media Group, AM860 The Answer. So as I have talked about before, uh, you know, I organized a truckers rally. My article this week is about that. It's America's truckers deserve our deepest respect. Every day across America, thousands of truckers cross every corner of the country to bring us the stuff, what uh, George Carlin hilariously referred to as our stuff, if you're old enough to remember that. Uh, You know, we don't give it much thought. I certainly didn't, but they're always there. Whether it's food, clothing, medicine, or gadgets, a trucker brings it. In fact, there isn't a single thing you have in your possession, including the toilet paper that you were hoarding. And yes, I know you were hoarding it during the pandemic. They brought it to you. Uh, We had a little Truckers Rally today, gathering at Flying J in my local area. It was nice. We had a lot of appreciation from both the truckers themselves and from people that honked, you know, as we were going by. We had the signs, and it was very lovely. So people understand that we really should appreciate them. So let's get to the jelly. We're joined today by Joe Santi, a.k.a. Tarzana Joe, who is one of the few poets in America, maybe the only, whose work is actually broadcast nationally 
uh, weekly on national syndicated talk radio. You have probably heard him on the Hugh Hewitt show, which is a Salem radio host. Of course, uh, he's broadcast in Sacramento, San Diego and San Francisco. Um, Joe is in Los Angeles, as well as many other stations across the country. You know, I don't actually, I don't always listen to, I love Hugh Hewitt show. He's super smart. I don't always listen to it because it's very early where I am. Uh, but I happened to be listening one day and I heard this guy, I heard Hugh talking to this guy and he was reading a poem. I didn't remember what it was about, you know, later. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I thought that they were talking about it. The poem was, I liked it. Uh, you know, and that was that. But when I decided to do the truckers rally, uh, I reached out to him because I wanted him to write a poem for me. And, you know, as a, Ode to Truckers, if you will, and he did, and he is here on the show. So we'll have a little discussion about that and hear what he has to have, you know, hear his poem for us for the truckers. So with that, I want to welcome you, Joe, to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Brooke says. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Absolutely. If early, if the UU show is early where you are, <laughs> out here on the West Coast, it's 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Ouch. So, you know, uh, i got to set that alarm clock to get on that show. I know, and I have to say, so when I'm on Captain Matt's show here, it's like super early. It's 5.30, so I got to get up early. I don't just like turn on and go ahead. Go ahead. So I totally have the sympathy for you Cali folks out there. Yeah, and my brain, the rhyming part of my brain doesn't start working until 4.30 a.m. Oh, so my it's God. Really, it's a challenge, you know. I know, I know. Well, I get up 45 minutes early to get on 5.30 because I, I literally, I need enough time. I listen to the people that are on before, you know, b- before me to get my brain going, too, because that is just unnaturally early. He does a great, and you do great. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, I was never an early riser, and this is a true story. You you may not believe it. You may believe I'm <laughs> overly complimenting the host of my show, Mr. Hewitt. But he began his career on the radio at 6 to 9 in, in Los Angeles, and you literally had to set fireworks under my bed to get me up. But when I began <laughs> listening to him, I, I was it 6 o'clock yet? I wanted to hear the show start because... Yeah. I'm a radio addict. I love radio. I was one of those kids who had, you know, the transistor radio under their uh, pillow in bed at night listening to overnight radio when I was a kid and had my father knock on the door, turn that radio off, I can hear it in here. And so here I found another great voice and another great mind for radio when I started listening to to you. And uh, I uh, it was always a fantasy of mine to, to have a, a radio show or even be part of a radio show and uh, lo and behold I became part of one so you know uh, dream big well there you go and and as you were talking about the transistor radio Jim is nodding his head going yep yep I had that too uh he does a lot of ra- he's he's done radio for years um too so tell me how it is that you came there's a funny story about how you came to be on Hugh Hewitt's show well, he had been on the air just a few weeks, and, uh, you know, he's a man of many interests, like we all are. We would like to think of ourselves as Renaissance individuals. <laughs> and he said uh, one morning on the air, I don't think I can do 15 hours of uh, politics talk a week. I've got to break it up with something, you know, literature, m- movies, poetry, some kind of, of, of general knowledge topic, maybe history, something. So he decided he was going to do a segment a week on literature and he said he was looking for uh, a Shakespeare scholar so uh, I don't know I'm not the kind of person who does things impetuously but I did Uh, I I created a very very bogus resume claiming to be the world's foremost scholar 
on the works of William Shakespeare, and I faxed it into the radio station. And it obviously uh, engendered some uh, some laughter because it was uh, I can't remember exactly what I claimed, but I think I said that I had memorized uh, you know Hamlet backwards or something like that. And um, uh, he started talking about it, and then I called in, and we had a little chat. They took the call, Joe from Tarzana, I'm on line four, you know, and uh, he said, okay, I challenge you to do a, a half-hour segment on poetry. What poet shall we pick? And I picked uh, Robert Service, who is uh, uh, his most famous works are the Ballad of Dan McGrew and the Sam McGee, these Yukon ballads of weird things that happened during the gold rush days. And I used to listen to Gene Shepard, who was a great radio voice. And other people may know him from Gene Shepard's America that was uh, on PBS for some years. And, of course, he was the author of the story that became the movie Christmas Story. Oh, ho, ho, oh. you'll shoot your eye out, kid. Yeah. And he had this nightly radio station in New York where he talked for an hour about just everything. And every once in a while, he'd read these poems. So we decided to do uh, that author. And, it, and there's more to him than just a couple of doggerel ballads. He's a very interesting character who uh, left uh, Europe for, you know, the Wild West and uh, the Gold Rush, and he wrote about it. He also wrote some amazing poems about uh, World War One. He was, uh, like many poets that we were familiar with, uh, from E.E. E. Cummings to... Uh, uh, Joyce Kilmer, they were part of World War One. He wrote a poem called On the Wire about a, a man stuck in no man's land that is just chilling. So we talked about these things, and then he got a lot of you know positive reactions uh, from the listening audience. And he said, okay, you're hired uh, for uh, poetry for the next few years. And uh, that's how my radio poetry life got started. Then I, 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 the topic came up uh, about... Uh, uh, the evils of potato salad in summer, and how it would spoil. I wrote a poem, an ode to potato salad. Oh my salad. God, that's hilarious! And uh, that uh, again, hopefully, uh, engendered some laughter. <laughs> and then uh, the fetching Mrs. and Hewitt. make you very sick. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was the, he's a big fan of potato salad, coming from Ohio. You know, anything with mayonnaise is like, you know, the national meal. It's like they, they serve turkey on Thanksgiving with mayonnaise glaze. So he was very upset about uh, the, this uh, article about how terrible potato salad was. So I had to defend potato salad. Um, and the, the fetching Mrs. Hewitt said, well, uh, Joe has to write a poem a week. And so now for uh, almost 20 years I've been writing a poem a week attempting to summarize the events of the week, and hopefully humorously. Sometimes the, no, the news of the week is, is, does not lend itself to humor. Yeah. And we've had a few uh, instances of serious poetry, but most of the time I try to bring uh, some lightness to the, to, the after, to, the, to the program. Well, certainly laughter, you know, is even in the midst of, of trauma, it's like, there's something healing about it. It sounds so crazy. I remember when Joan Rivers, you know, because you talk about serious, she she used to make joke. Her husband committed suicide, and she used to make jokes about it, and people would be completely outraged. Like, how can you do that? She goes, like, I have to laugh to keep from crying. I just can't deal with it. You know, you have to. You just have to survive. So I get that about that, but I can imagine Hugh just dying over the potato salad poem. Yeah, who could you know? 
did. Mr. Frost, Mr. Frost, what poem made your career? Was it uh, Stopping by Woods? Was it uh, was the Road Not Taken? No, it was my poem to Potato Salad, which really <laughs> launched my career. And I, I, I don't I don't see an academic life ahead for me. You know, doesn't work. Oh my God, that's hilarious. So you know, I mentioned I have we we talked offline. I mentioned a, my vision for a conservative marketplace, and you do poetry, and uh, I can just imagine that the left the left somehow thinks that conservatives don't actually like arts, culture, music, and I can just imagine them going completely out of their minds when Trump had the opera singer at the White House. Like, oh, and, 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 and it was and, amazing. And, and what he sang, the three things that they chose, and I'm, I'm, I stood up and ran around the room. Nessun Dormo, which ends with the great Vincero, I win, you know. Wow, uh, yeah. Which is amazing. The second one, Alleluia, which yes. was a direct riff on uh, uh, Kate McKinnon's, uh, that, that uh, when she, she played Hillary on Saturday Night Live, and the Saturday Night Live, after the election, she sang Alleluia, you know, with a spotlight on a grand piano in the Hillary role, and it was this melancholy plaintive, oh, what might have been had Hillary won, and there's Alleluia. And then followed up with Ave Maria, holy moly. Now, I cannot believe I looked at all the pundits. They're upset about masks. They're upset about how close the chairs were. None of them talked about those three songs. Uh, and, And they're all like, he couldn't have chosen... I, I, you know, I, I, I know that another talk show host, Michael Medved, said that says that God uh, is looking out for America and has always been looking out for America. Well, I think maybe Ave Maria at the White House made even him uh, in his heaven sit up and take notice. Okay, maybe we, maybe we need to intervene. Uh, yeah. Now and, so. and he also saying they also saying God bless America. But you know, I didn't know right. about that first song. I'm gonna have to listen. To, I'm gonna have to check out the lyrics. That was amazing. But that guy is now, wait, one more uh, thing so about talented. God bless America. Since you bring it up, he was. It was this at the end. Been, yeah. This has been a. This has been a a, a, a. a real. Cause of mine for the last couple of years. Uh, you know, the the Philadelphia Flyers hockey team used to play God bless America uh, when they really needed a win. And wow. with Kate Smith, yeah, and and then when they oh, were in the yeah. Stanley Cup playoffs, she actually showed up to sing it, which was late late in her life, and she sang it. And she was their good luck charm. And after they won the Stanley Cup, they put a statue of Kate Smith up in front of their arena. The Yankees in New York would play it at the seventh inning stretch instead of taking me out to the ball game. They'd play God Bless America. So a couple of years ago, you may recall this yes. little, uh, tempest in a teapot. Yeah. Somebody went through the entire life's work of Kate Smith and found some song that she sang which, to which the lyrics were not woke. Right. And the uh, uproar was, oh, oh she was, was canceled. Long before BLM or anything else. They were not woke lyrics. So down came the statue of Kate Smith in Philadelphia. Down came uh, or stopped the... Uh, the uh, 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 playing him at Yankee Stadium at the seventh inning stretch, and I said, "How? Who in their right mind goes through the life of Kate Smith to try to dox her to, to cancel Kate Smith?" And it wasn't Kate Smith they were trying to cancel; it was God Bless America they were trying yes, to cancel. Yes, okay? yes. And they couldn't attack the song, so they attacked the singer. 
And, you know, they say conservatives are reactionary. It was a bad word when I was growing up. There's reactionary conservatives. But we do. We react. On the other side, they plan. They think, what yeah. do we, how do we get rid of this song, God Bless America? Now they're working on the national anthem. Oh, Francis Scott Key said something that he was oh, he had slaves. He'd you know, so that, there goes the national anthem. They have a plan. We don't. We've got to have a plan. We've got to have a plan, Brooks says. Well, I have to tell you, I think that Trump is a game changer in all aspects of everything because he understands culture. He understands that. He most likely has read Rules for Radicals. So if there's anybody that can do it, look, the fact, you know, I'm going to talk about it later in the show, but and I want to get to your poem. Uh, the fact that he did all of the 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 people that he had, the things that he talked about, the the open way that he talked about race in America, they didn't hide from it like the Republicans have in the past. All of the things that he's doing, he's not only transforming the party, but he's making their heads explode because he's not afraid. And he goes directly at it, talks about the problems, talks about the issues, and is actually working to solve it. And he's making changes. They're, they're going crazy because he is effective. But it's absolutely true. We need people that understand how the left operates in order to defeat them. You Rush says it all the time. You cannot... You cannot bargain with them. You must defeat them. And this election is absolutely crucial. We must smash the Democrat Party, not physically like they do, but electorally it has to be a wipeout because the country cannot survive this level of chaos and and, uh, violence that they're perpetuating onto the country. It won't won't survive. It's uh, it's. I hate to say it, but I, I casually ridiculed this notion in a poem a couple of weeks ago, the most most important election in my lifetime, and all that stuff because it's always said. Yeah. But it sure is pretty darn important. It uh, it is true for. I thought it was the way I talk about 2016. We were on the ledge with our toe over the edge. Now we're still on the ledge, but any foul wind can still push us over. So it's very precarious. Uh, we, I want to make sure that we get to your poem, of course, and I want to thank you so much for doing that because, you know, as I have shared for a couple of weeks now, our truckers have really saved us. We're, we're, we're on the precipice of something very ugly right now anyways. But certainly during the pandemic, the reason that we're not at outright civil wars because everybody's fat, happy, and they probably have their COVID-19, I don't even say that word, but, you know, they're 19 pounds because they're sitting around eating, hanging out, watching Netflix and everything. We've survived because the truckers have brought us our stuff. They brought the medical supplies to the hospitals. They brought us food, medicine, you know, everything that we have is because the truckers brought it. So with that, I want to uh, I want to have you read your poem to the truckers. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Brooks. Says. When the road is long and narrow and the load is wide and heavy, when your cargo needs a Rio, but you've only got a Chevy, when a family needs moving out of Hollywood to Texas, when they ought to have a pickup, but they only drive a Lexus, <laughs> when the Army tells the soldier's wife your man has brand new orders, and she has to cross the children through some six or seven borders. When a host of new infections have a breakout in Sandusky, and you need that penicillin, but you can't count on a husky. When anything is needed, anywhere at any time, a trucker will deliver it from Maine to Anaheim. They dash across the country from the East Coast to the West, meeting every deadline with a minimum of rest. Then they see the morning sunrise from the West Coast to the East, bringing every breakfast and supplying every feast. 
If you need it where you want it, you can take this to the bank. When it shows up at your doorstep, there's a trucker you can thank. That's Truckers by Tarzana Joe. That is really beautiful. And um, so, Joe, where can everybody find you and and contact you in order to get their own poem? Thank you. Uh, You can go to TarzanaJoe.com. And there's a little button at the top that says, I want a poem. <laughs> and you can fill out a form. It sends me an email. Give me a little uh, advance time because, uh, you know, I like to, I like to, you know, I like to sit and cogitate and think about what to say and all that stuff. So I, it takes a couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, you could go there if you'd like to read some more of Tarzana Joe poems. Uh, they're also uh, there on the website, the ones I read on the radio. And I actually have a couple of collections of them from the last 20 years or so called uh, It Only Hurts When I Rhyme, and that was the best of Tarzana Joe. And then I put out a second book last year called The Second Best of Tarzana Joe. My wife didn't like the title, but I thought it was funny. (laughs) And uh, you can get those on Amazon.com. You can get them in Kindle, or you can get it in the actual book edition. So It Only Hurts When I Rhyme by Tarzana Joe or The Second Best of Tarzana Joe. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Joe, so much for coming on the show. Thank you for writing that wonderful poem. And you're listening to Brook Talks America on AM860, The Answer, here with Colonel Jim, and we will be right back. More Brook Talks America coming up. When one refers to the lifeblood of America, I'm sure they would agree it includes the U.S. trucking industry. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, when it comes to what you and I wear, eat, or use, it is most likely transported by one of the many legions of dedicated truck drivers crisscrossing our beloved republic. Starting in 1910, the development of a number of technologies gave rise to the modern trucking industry. By 1914, there were almost 100,000 trucks on American roads. In 1954, President Dwight Eisenhower laid the groundwork for the construction of the interstate highway system, which includes ribbons of roadway that enable America's dedicated army of truckers to deliver everything we the people utilize for our daily lives. The truckers, in my opinion, and often been overlooked and even maligned by irate highway motorists who berate the truckers for supposedly causing traffic slowdowns. Today, over 27 million trucks traverse our highways, hauling over 70% of the total volume of freight. Because of the 24-7 trucking industry, our economy will recover more quickly and our way of life be more secure. So when you pass a trucker on the highway, give him a thumbs up and tell him Ron Edwards said hello. I'm Ron Edwards. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Check out the blog at brooktalksamerica.com. Here's Brooke Says. That was Ron Edwards from the Edwards Notebook, and that was so beautiful. I asked him to do a special one for the truckers, as you heard. And I just want you to know I picked all of the music for this show to honor the truckers because it's all about the truckers, and that's everything that he said is so right. You're listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim on Salem Media Group. And so if you watched after the conventions, all of the liberal Ken and Karen bobbleheads on TV were just guffawing about Trump's 
acceptance speech in the RNC convention saying there was no social distancing and, oh, no, they're not wearing masks. I can't believe it. And then the very next day, in the same exact city, thousands of people are walking around Washington, not social distancing for the anniversary on the March on Washington. Now, I'm all happy for them to go on the March on Washington. I think it was a great event. But don't complain and don't be so hypocritical, right? That was just fine. Oh, it was wonderful to see all these thousands of people. Now, remember, none of these people were harassed, whereas all of the people who left Trump's acceptance speech, who walked out of of the White House, were harassed. Rand Paul might have been killed, probably would have been killed, okay? And BLM, there was a, a, a BLM woman, a black woman who attacked Brandon Strzok who's gay, and called them the F word for gay, okay? So Democrat governors and mayors shut down their states and cities to supposedly stop the spread of the China virus and for public health, but then immediately after George Floyd's death, the left said social justice was more important than social distancing. So you see how all of this works? All of it is okay as long as it's a liberal. As long as it's Democrats, they can go out, they can loot, they can cause chaos and do all of this stuff. They can march, they can protest. It's not protesting anymore. It was protesting for like two minutes after they, you know, after he died. And by the way, all of the circumstances regarding that have changed. So I'm not positive I'm calling it a murder anymore. The the uh, the. Um, Autopsy came out that he had massive amounts of fentanyl. There's a video what's on the tongue where he has the fentanyl. He ate the fentanyl in the car. So there's a question about that. It shouldn't have happened, but still it, the, the facts are showing very differently. But, you know, and I have a bunch of clips I'm going to get. Regarding all of the chaos and the violence, there is one person who has her hands all over it, okay, and it's Hillary Clinton. She's directly involved with all of the violence and the looting or the the. Violence against Trump supporters in 2016. Remember, they had to cancel that event in Chicago because her people and Obama's buddy Bill Ayers coordinated with Bob Creamer. You know, if you've been listening to the show, which you should be, if not, go back in the podcast. I have played the clips of this where they talk about that. They pay people to go and start mess at the Trump rallies. And by the way, I've also played the tapes from... um, Project Veritas of the Bernie bros talking about this stuff, too. Those were the ones a Bernie bro shot Steve Scalise, tried to murder the Republicans. And by the way, Rand Paul was all there. He has nine lives, this guy, Rand Paul, for real. But it's Hillary Hillary people that are directly involved. She's involved with Soros. Her hands are all involved in this violence and chaos. Hell hath no fury like a Hillary scorned after all. So you're listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, and we'll be right back. More Brooke Talks America coming up. Welcome back to Brook Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect by email info at brooktalksamerica.com. Here's Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim on Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer. And I just want you to listen. I have a few clips I want to play. This is Hillary talking, saying that she basically cannot be civil unless they win. That you cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy 
what you stand for, what you care about. That's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. But until then, the only thing that the Republicans seem to recognize and respect is strength. And, you know, she has called for Biden to not concede no matter what. She probably regrets this, that she didn't know about ballot harvesting or that she didn't think about it because Trump only won by like 80,000 votes in three or four states. She could have ballot harvested had she been able to protract it. So listen to her talking about that. You know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out. And eventually, I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch and if we are as focused and relentless as the other side is. But I tell you, whenever Hillary speaks, this is all I hear. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. (laughs) Come on, you know you hear that when you see her speak. So Kamala Harris is basically echoing her, right, and calling for continuing writing. Uh, and I, I want to make clear that I, I know that there are protests still happening in yeah. major cities across the United States. I'm just not seeing the reporting on it that I that right, I had that's right. for the first few weeks. That's um, right. But they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. And that's they're not. This is a movement. I'm telling you, they're not going to stop. And and everyone beware because they're not going to stop. It is going to. They're not going to stop before election day in November, and they're not going to stop after election day. And that should be. Everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up and they should not. Yeah, they should, Kamala. And remember that Maxine Waters called for this? Sorry for the background noise in this. It's very loud, but listen to her clip. Already, you have members of your cabinet uh, that have been booed out of restaurants. Who have protesters taking up at their house. Who sang no peace, no sleep. No peace, no sleep. Let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. You know, I don't see this as a good strategy. Okay, but you have evidence right there on all of those clips and you have evidence from before when Creamer was doing this in 2016. They're all paid. This is all coordinated. There is not a single solitary thing that has been organic from the Democrat Party from 2015, at least 2016. This has all been planned and coordinated. They are willing, more than willing to perpetuate violence on Trump supporters, on you. Remember Hillary called you deplorables, okay? They're more than willing to perpetuate violence on you and on the country. So if you have lost a business, if you have lost someone who's been murdered or abused or any of this stuff by any of these thugs, that is the Democrat Party, okay? Colonel Jim here has gotten a tremendous amount of heat for saying they would do stuff like this, and now you've seen what they have done. They have murdered people. Okay, people have been, you know, caught up in the in the riots and died as a result of this. So don't believe that this can't happen in America. It is happening in America right now. But it is not a good strategy, as I say, because people don't actually want 
believe it or not. I mean, the Democrat Party is insane, actually, that they think that this is what people want. They don't want looting, rioting, and chaos in their streets or to be threatened with bodily harm and murder. I mean, imagine that, right? They think they're doing this all for, you know, a certain segment of their voter base, they think for whatever reason, actually wants this. And the proof is in the pudding. One is because base, uh, Biden is getting out of his basement, so he's having to leave his basement and not hide. But also, Fredo and Lemonhead from the DNC media on CNN are getting nervous, and they're, they're changing up the play. You know they run the party, right? MSDNC, CNN, which was Clinton Net- News Network. And I don't know why Fox has Donna Brazil on there. I don't even watch that anymore because it's ridiculous. The only person worse than Juan is her. But th- they know that this is not working. So listen to this clip where they actually admit it. <laughs> and what's happening in Wisconsin, it's a Rorschach test for where this country is. And I think it probably represents the biggest threat to the Democratic cause. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's Except because that we're reading the... from the same teleprompter no, and I took I'm your not... line. No, you didn't. That's not. That's all you. That all says, Chris, this is where I come in. We're, we'll get to that. But when you said it's too little, too late, I don't know about that. I mean, we still have a lot of time left until Election Day. And I do think that uh, this, what you said was happening in Kenosha is a Rorschach test for the entire country. And I think this is a blind spot for Democrats. I think Democrats are ignoring this problem or hoping that it will go away. And it's not going to go away. And I think maybe Joe Biden may be afraid to do it. I'm not sure. Maybe he won't. Maybe he is. He's got to address it. He's got to come out and talk about it. He's got to do a speech like Barack Obama did about race. He's got to come out and tell people that he is going to deal with the issue of police reform in this country. And that what's happening now is happening under Donald Trump's watch, on Donald Trump's watch. And when he is the president, Kamala Harris is the vice president, then they will take care of this problem. But guess what? The rioting has to stop. Chris, as you know and I know, it's showing up in the polling. Mm -hmm. It's showing up in focus groups. It is the only thing, it is the only thing right now that is sticking. So you see that you see that they're basically telling you a couple things. First of all, they're telling you they're showing you how they run the Democrat Party. We've always thought, oh, well, the Democrat Party runs the media. No, the media runs the Democrat Party. Right. But they're also showing you that this is based. They're going to modify their action based on polling. And actually, it's been relatively quiet in Portland. Any governor that changes their trajectory is only changing it because they're getting in trouble in the polls. The only reason a mayor, Seattle, Portland, um, Kenosha, the only reason they're going to ask for Trump's help is because polling is making them look bad. And there is a there is evidence of that in um, a Rasmussen report that they were complaining about the Democrats, the Democrat National Convention. Thirty four percent point seven two percent said that Democrats ignored riots and violence in Democrat red led cities. They offered depressing take on America. They overdid the bash Trump tactic. They admitted God under God from the pledge. All of these things are showing up in the polls. And with the conventions, it's a very clear choice. Which team do you want to be on? You want to be on the angry Democrat 
America sucks and everybody's racist, including the minorities and the black people who voted for Trump. Isn't that interesting? You know, Candace Owens is black and she's a racist. It's very interesting how this works with Democrats, right? And then black gazillionaires like Oprah, the Obamas, and that profoundly uneducated LeBron James, who thinks he knows something, whine about being oppressed. That's the Democrat Party. Or the Trumplican Party, and I say that because it's Trump's party now, and I'm a proud Trumplican. The America's not perfect, but it's still great, and people can overcome and thrive no matter what what if they have that mindset. And you heard that from amazing I don't like this word really, because the Democrats, like with everything else, they overuse everything. But the RNC, not only was it really well produced, and I know they're shocked about that, because Republicans are not used They're not known for really well-produced anything. (laughs) Maybe a tax cut, that's it. But they're not not used to the Hollywood, you know, preparation of anything. And it was amazing. All of the speakers, well-timed, where they were situated, what they were talking about. Some of the things that I thought were so great. They took on race. They didn't shy away from it. From Melania with her amazing speech, you know, and all the other people. And a lot of the people that were on there, the the guests who are black that were on there, they talked about race honestly. They said, yeah, you know, there is racism is in, racism in America. Nobody has said that it isn't. Even they try to say Candace Owens says there's no racism. She's never said that, never would. It exists. But it's not anywhere near what it was 50 years ago. And people are acting like we're living in Jim Crow, which, by the way, was a Democrat construct. Okay, so and I hate that word too, construct. But that's the reality of where we are. The Democrats have they have gone after all of these people that that the RNC had. Right. You had they're going after Alice Johnson saying that she's a prop. Alice Johnson had a drug deal. She went to prison. She had life from a Biden and Clinton, uh, Biden and Clinton Democrat plan, right? And they're calling her a prop. The Democrats had Donna Hilton on there who drugged and tortured and raped a man for 15 to 20 days before they killed him, right? This is the difference. You need to understand where the two parties are. The Republicans are for a happy, thriving America, understanding the history, knowing that it's not perfect, but you can thrive and America is good even though it's not perfect. The Democrats are for burn it all down because we have sins in our past. And by the way, all of the racial sins in the past of America are Democrat sins. Don't let them fool you. Watch the movie Uncle Tom. They talk about it, right? That's another lovely name they like to talk about black conservatives. So there's so much, all of the speeches, all of the things that were there. And by the way, there was a great, a great segment on um, all the calls in the after the second night I was listening to it to C-SPAN. They were all but one said that they were either Democrat, Republican or independents going to vote for Trump. And for the reasons that I talked to you before about the Rasmussen poll, they're people. America doesn't want what they're selling. And by the way, they don't want to be burned out of their homes and have people at three o'clock in the morning banging on stupid, you know, plates and and, uh, pans and with the drums and all the craziness. They don't want what the Democrats are selling. I think it's going to be a landslide, but everybody has to get out. And I really want to talk about one All the guests were amazing at the speech, but one thing was very, 
very important. And it was Dana White, because what he talked about is not it's not just enough to vote for Trump. And yes, you absolutely must do that. But this should show with all these governors and mayors, Whitmau, Newsom, uh, de Blasio, who's a, just a moron, and Cuomo, and all of these Democrat mayors and governors, they're making decisions. They're shutting businesses down so that they can kill their states and their and their cities. De Blasio is purposely doing it. It's not an accident. So it's very important how down ballot, all you must vote Republican. I don't care. You have to vote Republican down ballot. Now we're past the primaries. It's all general. You have to vote Republican. You cannot give any of these Democrats any more power. You are listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, and on Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer. And we will be right back to talk with Colonel Jim. More Brooke Talks America coming up. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Check out the blog at brooktalksamerica.com. Here's Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says. You're listening to us on Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer. I'm here with Colonel Jim. Make sure you go to brooktalksamerica.com to check out the um, all the social medias that you can get on there and archives of the show and articles. Uh, so, Jim, I wanted to I just want to play something because you, we're going to talk a little bit about the the uh, convention and I want to play Trump's speech in in his speech. And uh, Dennis Prager mentioned this, that this was a, a really important point, And I think he's totally right on that. This is emphasizing he's talking about Biden's radical agenda, which is not Biden's radical agenda. It's Bernie's and the squad's radical agenda. But here's what he talks about. So tonight I ask you a simple question. How can the Democrat Party ask to lead our country when it spends so much time tearing down our country? They do not see America as the most free, just, and exceptional nation on Earth. Instead, they see a wicked nation that must be punished for its sins. Yeah, so they, that's how they really look at America. You, there's no redemption in the Democrat Party. In the modern Democrat Party, there's no redemption. And therefore, there can be no God, right? There can be no religion or God or anything like that because the whole principle of that is about redemption. So they just want to burn it down to the ground, and they're willing to do it. What do you think? Well, first, <clears throat> let's talk about uh, the removal of God. It was remember it was, remember, it was during their convention and that they took three out times. under God three times from... Uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. In 2016, they did from the platform, too. And, and exactly. It was removed from their platform back then. So it is a a standing order, I will say that, that they make sure God is removed from, from everything uh, pertaining to their party. And, you know, we've seen time and time again uh, how that's been used. And that reflects to everything that you just said about and what, what Donald Trump said about the Democratic Party, how— uh, they are wicked, and they are all about tearing down this country. I mean, I think it stands uh, pretty clear to people who who are following politics in the last couple of years, and particularly uh, at least since January of the summer. Of course, there was always the rhetoric and the criticism of the president uh, for all the successes he had done and everything he was doing. 
but it really turned. But uh, not the country. But not the country. Yes. But it's really turned a, a really sharp corner probably about March of this year where they realized uh, everything they were doing was failing. Everything they tried to do against Donald Trump was failing, and they had to make this hardline radical move, and it is being reflected in burning down the country literally. I mean, just just watch the news every night, what we're seeing in Portland and Seattle and uh, Chicago, Kenosha, and any other city. They have their people so crazy that a guy commits suicide in front of the target. Commits suicide has nothing to do with any cops or anything, and they ride for that. Exactly. And this is this is their mantra. This is what they're standing for now. And I, I have to go back to a comment you made a few minutes ago um, where you talked about everybody in the Democratic Party stands for this. And there was an article in the New York Times on the 26th of August, just a couple of days ago, that talked about chaos in Kenosha, Portland, Seattle, uh, Minneapolis. The New York Times was actually saying that the Demo- they were actually almost apologizing for the Democratic Party because they realized how far they've gone. And they were basically saying it's not just the national leadership, you know, who's running for president, uh, Joe Biden, and everybody at the top of the ticket, you know, whether it's a senator yep. or congressman or woman. It's about all the state and local Democrats who will follow whatever the party line tells them. And they are just as corrupt and, and evil and demonic as any of the the worst of the worst that we've seen. And they're basically saying, you know, you've got to vote straight ticket Republican this election because we can't have any more of this because they're going to take orders from the political left, from the Democratic Party, the socialists, and as I always say, and I've been calling them the, the communists. This is how they do it, and this is what it's come to. Yeah, and the thing is is that the, the people that are making policy – it will. It, it's not just Donald Trump. Your local school board is the one that's educating your kids. And by the way, you need if you're a parent that's listening to this, you need to know what they are teaching your kids. They're teaching your kids right now the 1619 project and how to be an activist. They're also teaching them. Very, we talked about with Terry Kempel about this very, very subversive sexual behavior for little, little, little kids. They have no business talk. First of all, the school should not even be talking about it, okay? They can talk about anatomy. That's it. But I don't. I wouldn't want someone teaching my kids about sex anyways. But they're teaching them really, really perverse stuff for little kids. They don't understand that. You know, this is what the modern Democrat Party, the Kennedy Party is gone. This is a subversive communist. And again, Colonel Jim gets way too much heat for this, for telling the truth. But that's what it is. They are communists. The squad is communists. That's what they want. So you need to pay attention to what your kids are learning. School board is almost more important for you if you are a parent than a statewide election, really. So local elections really matter, too. So go ahead, Jim. And, and the other thing that we haven't heard from the Democrat Party or any of their candidates, still, as of today, not one has criticized not the one. violence. There's no one condemning the violence. No one else coming out and saying— uh, and Biden I'm just did saying, a little bit only because he was forced to. Just a little but, bit. I mean, they, they have to stand up there and say, okay, we have to stop the violence now and, and take a stand and then demonstrate— that they don't want it. And that's not going to happen because they are being manipulated by powers above. Uh, I mean, when you look at, and, and this kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about next, 
when you look at what's going on, you know, every weekend, every day almost, we, you know, we see, we follow in, in social media the advertisements where BLM and other uh, groups are going to go out and, and do things. You know, we have, we're in the Tampa Bay area here, and we're seeing that there's a BLM event today, you know, that leads to violence. Mm. Um, and this is this is what it's not just it's not peaceful protest anymore. There's, peaceful yeah. protest is is there is the excuse. It all leads to violence, and you know the the government burning down is not peaceful protest. Exactly. I mean, CNN had that they're talking about peaceful protest with a building burning back. Exactly. It's crazy. And you know now we have um, this going on, and you know Attorney General. Uh, Barr talked about this, and he says, you know, we need to stop this. We need to investigate it. We need to get involved. He's enforcing the law on the books, and it just uh, there was just a case uh, about a week ago in the 4th District Court where they, where they argued uh, whether it was violence or whether it was peaceful protest, and they took the side of the Trump administration saying that the federal government can wield its uh, power against violent uh, activity going on, and that's what uh, Barr is going to do is he's going to start cracking down uh, using the powers that be against his violence. We've seen him, you know, put you put federal forces money. in and into port into uh, uh, Portland and and Seattle. Well, now they're going to be doing exactly like right. they're going to be using uh, RICO laws, what have you, to track the money to try to stop this this type of activity. Well, and Rand Paul talked about this. He said that they were they come from other states, so that's interstate commerce. That's re, that's really serious, actually. That's federal pen time. So hopefully he'll get on that. I, I'd like to see someone perp walked, but I know uh, you know that they're facing charges, right? Bunch of people in yeah, Portland. In Portland, they have about seventy five people who are going to be facing federal charges for for violence because they cross the line from peaceful protest to actual violence. So that will set the tone for a lot of other cities, and I think they're going to do it to try to make an example of it so people realize that uh, they're serious. Well, and they need to declare Antifa a domestic terror. What's going on with that? Because he had talked about it before. And by the way, I'm sorry, they need to declare BLM a domestic terrorist organization too. Yeah, and we talked about that uh, in previous shows back in in April, May time frame, uh, President Trump talked about it, and Barr talked about it. Now, uh, the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad um, Wolf, has come out and said that's going to happen. Just two days ago, he said that's going to happen for Antifa. So, for Antifa, yeah. and you know, I see them probably going after BLM next. You know, and they've got to find out where the money is coming from and how it's being used. But these are the things that have to happen. Uh, when you get into situations where uh, total anarchy is developing in cities and it and it can't stop, you have to you have to do these kind of things, and it's within the law, and that's what they're doing. They got to shut this down really quickly because this is getting out of control. And one of the ways that they're doing it is because two people died in Kenosha, so that's one of the ways that it's going to have to be shut down because that blood is going to be on their hands. You're listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke says here on Salem Media Group. AM 860, The Answer, here with Colonel Jim. You know, we need like two or three more hours, seriously. We will be talking next week about the what's new in the Durham investigation, and we will see you then.
been listening to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot. Brooke says, connect by email, info at brooktalksamerica.com. By Twitter, at Talks America. And listen next Saturday night for more Brooke Talks America on AM 860, The Answer.